Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode two of the Quickie Podcast. Today's guest is Raz Kukulia. I've known Raz for a number of years now, and uh, he is such a fun guy, a really eclectic guy. He's got a cool story, and I really enjoyed chatting with him today. So uh, without further ado, let's dive right into the interview and uh, enjoy. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hello, listeners. Today, I am chatting with Raz Kukulia from 47 Creative in Abbotsford, B.C., how are you, Raz? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing great, man. So tell me about yourself. Um, yeah, like you said, my name, my full name is Raz Van Kukula, but everybody just calls me Raz. And uh, I'm currently a uh, freelance designer. Um, I have in the past, and I'm, I technically still am, um, specifically a graphic designer. I've done some packaging design, some label design. Mm-hmm. Uh, branding is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I've done some creative uh, communication uh, I've done some uh, creative direction, and um, I've also been I've been a shoulder to cry on sometimes. <laughs> uh, even professionally, I've been someone people kind of come to and complain to. Uh, and uh, by far, probably, I would say I um, am the the my greatest attribute is I am an excellent unsolicited advice giver. So you're a great I, listener and an unsolicited <laughs> advice giver. <laughs> I love, I love the the concept of critiquing. I love it when people genuinely like to critique and help me improve with my work and the way that I do things. And then just as a reflection of that, uh, I, I you always just sort of push it back. And uh, f- so far, I guess just maybe the way that I do it, or a lot of people kind of know my heart because um, uh, I try to I try to open up really quickly and stuff. Like they know that I'm not trying to like offend them. But uh, yeah, you just. I, I just love taking it and I just love dishing it out. <laughs> uh, what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? Man, um, I, I did. My, 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 my entrance into design was super weird. Um, I do like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can frame it. There's, there's so many sort of things that, that led me to where I am today. And then also things that I've noticed that I didn't notice when I was growing up that I picked up on after I started to learn more about design. But basically, um, I, I've i always had the opportunity to be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was younger, uh, my parents, uh, you know, enrolled me in, like, piano lessons, so I had an opportunity to uh, – music has always been a big part of my life, so I had an opportunity to do a lot of that. But in terms of creativity – it was always for me and the way that I was raised sort of on the hobby side on the, on the things that you did when you relaxed side of things. I actually remember, it's really funny. Uh, you mentioned it, um, back when I was probably like in middle school, um, we would always, we'd be getting, you know, 20, 30 bucks every single time we had a good grade. So one summer, yeah, my parents were really, were really about that. Very, very academic, very, you know, get good grades and here's a little bit of, um, 
payment. So that one summer, me and my brothers, we all bought um, some uh, bikes. We bought bikes, and then we got together with a bunch of other um, kids from the neighborhood, and then we created like a gang. Well, like a, like a gang, like a club. Uh, and what we called it, yeah, we called it the Royal Mountain Bikers Club. Yes. And I remember being young and having this Royal Mountain Bikers Club, and I was like, "We're a crew, we're a gang, but like we need to we need to have something that identifies us. We need a logo." And like, so so we had some like Avery stickers. So I took some Avery stickers. I had like a, just a regular pencil, and then I think I, I I found like a blue pencil crayon. Like that was the only color that we kind of had kicking around. And I like carefully drew these like it was uh, was it um, the R. M B C and then the B was like a sideways bicycle with like the spokes and shit in the middle yeah. of the V. And I, you know, did about six or seven iterations of or sorry, copies of this logo and I started slapping it on uh my I had a little video camera, so we put it on the video camera, we put it on the bikes, and like we were official. You know what I mean? So I think like back then to me that was just something that you did. Like if you wanted I mean you know, Coca-Cola has a logo, you can tell if a Coke product, you can see it from a mile away, right? So for me it only made sense. That we had a visual interpretation or, or, or a visual identifier, but it never actually like occurred to me that that was like a thing. It, I just thought like that's just what people did is when they made cool stuff, they would just like put a brand on it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> I have to see this logo. Tell me you've got a copy. Oh man, I, I I've been looking for it for ages. I'm really <laughs> hoping it's probably in a box somewhere because I'm sure we didn't throw the the um, camera away. Yeah. So I'm just hoping it's in a box somewhere and I could pull out this camera and then yeah, it was it was rough. It was rough. That's cool, man. Well, take us back to when you first started noticing good design. What did you start seeing? Um for me, that all sort of hit at once. So uh, basically throughout high school, I was uh I was supposed to be a mechanical engineer. So like I was, I've, I've had an affinity for math. I've had an affinity for math for a long time. So when we were, when it was coming to like, okay, what are you going to do for a career and that sort of stuff? Um, my parents being uh, focused on education, like they were, were like, you know, you should consider something that pays well off the gate and all that stuff. So I was basically on track and I did all this uh, math and science and, and, and uh, chemistry and physics and all that stuff uh, throughout high school. But the uh, in my attempt to sort of do all these academic things, um, I found myself, I think it was grade 10, that I had an extra elective. And I had all these like super heavy, difficult things that I was doing. And I'm like, I need to chill. I need to take a, a really uh, easy class. And I took a graphic design class. Uh, our school kind of had like a graphics uh, 11, 12 class that you can kind of hop in. Mm-hmm. And around the same time, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called photo chopping. Uh, and I'll basically the idea is you take a car and I found this on a forum just randomly online one day. Um, you take a regular car, like a stock photo of a vehicle. And then through Photoshop, you manipulate the image to add rims, to put body kits on it, to change the color, to lower it. So you're modifying these cars. Okay. So like, Hey, I like Photoshop. Um, I need an easy class. Let's just go into the design class and see what happens. Maybe I can learn something. And that was probably the first time that I really interacted with people who were genuinely really creative. Mm-hmm. And I remember one guy in specific, he was the guy that sort of introduced me to like Shepard Ferry and graffiti culture. And at the time, uh, even things like um, papercraft and stuff were just kind of coming out. Um, and that was that was cool on that side. But the class itself to me was kind of a joke 
Because again, for me, I just wanted to get an easy class, get an easy grade so I can move on. So I didn't, that was sort of my first interaction with design, but I didn't truly understand what was happening until um, the next year I took a photo class mm -hmm. and basically just with that poor mindset and I kind of, I'm kind of sad about it now, but it, it helped me shape who I am. Um, I went to this photo class and in this photo class, I basically slacked off. I love photography. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, I took a bunch of photos and stuff, but I think I was missing like three or four assignments. So I'm sitting in class, uh, in iWeek one time, um, because I had literally 54%. I was basically an AB student across the board. That's a weird flex. I know, but I was a good student, you know, and, uh, and I had 54% in this photo class. So I had to sit and do a couple of photo assignments so that I could at least get myself to like a 70% or something so it doesn't kill my average. And I remember sitting in that class doing this work. I was the only guy in the arts room. Everyone else was either in the math or the English, whatever, like normal things people have a hard time with. And this teacher comes up and he happens to be the grade 12 photo teacher. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I've got a 54% 40, uh, in class. I got to do a couple projects to try to bump up my average a little bit. And he looks at me, he's like, so you're passing the class? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on, I'm not failing. <laughs> right? Uh, and he's like, okay, then go home. And I was like, what do you mean go home? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go home. You're, you're passing the class, right? I mean, you, you screwed up. You didn't do your assignments. You understand that all this extra work that you're doing now, you're going to have to actually make your teacher do, right? Just just go home and, you know, don't screw up again. Like, don't, don't do this again. Next time, work harder. And I... To me, at that moment, that was like the craziest thing a teacher could have ever said to me, ever. I didn't, it didn't, I, I couldn't process the idea that a teacher was okay with you barely passing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I got to figure out what's up with this. So I, I took his class. I took his photo 12 class, the first semester of, of grade 12. And that's when design sort of blew up for me. Because in his photo class, he didn't just teach photography. Mm -hmm. He taught design. He taught architecture. He told stories, art history, fashion, lighting, industrial design, like all these things. So I remember we'd go to his class and I think it was every two days he would have a presentation on some random topic that had to do with something creative. Mm -hmm. And that was really when I started noticing um, and, and, and things started coming into scope for me about what beautiful design is and uh, finding the beauty and even sometimes the sort of my personal biases and the reason why I love, you know, things like, you know, the Coca-Cola branding and the Obey branding and all these things that I had biases towards. I started figuring out as he was teaching us, you know, basically how the world communicates in a visual manner. That's cool. Yeah, it was it was nuts. Yeah, I love that. That was probably yeah, he's he's probably my second favorite teacher ever. Second only to my one of my uni professors, who basically was is the reason why I'm on this career path even stronger. So yeah, that's cool. So when you're starting a new project and you're looking at that, staring at the blank page, whether it's a sketchbook page or you're looking at Illustrator or Design or something, how do you get started? What's step one? The way my process is kind of simple, almost boring, I guess. My first my first step is always to understand the context. Yeah, what are we talking about? What's the project? What's the scope? Who's the client? 
uh, having done a lot of freelance and even done some uh, in-house work as well, those questions are answered differently depending on your context. Mm -hmm. So first thing is to fully understand what you're trying to do. If you're doing a personal project, it's even a little bit harder because you have to ask yourself all these questions and to really succinctly um, set yourself up for success. And then probably, so set up the context. The second thing that I do, I'll just I'll run you through the steps. Sorry, there's just three steps. Hmm. Uh, the second thing that I do is I will actually start trying to, with either a sketch pad um, or on the computer or like a mood board or something, if I feel like doing some, um, some very specific Google searches, I'll try to regurgitate and I'll try to create something from my own mind, from my own biases, from my own sort of the things that I've seen just being a designer and being a person in the world. Mm -hmm. And then after I've done that, the third step is to actually go and start doing very specific research that, that pertains to that exact area or that exact niche or that exact brief. Mm -hmm. And then if ultimately that research doesn't fit my initial context, then I have to start the loop all over again. And I have to ask myself, okay, really, what am I trying to focus in on? What am I doing? Well, now I have all this information about things like competitors and art styles and what's kind of popular now, what isn't in that industry and mediums and all that sort of stuff. Again, let me make up some stuff from my own head. Does it match? Does it fit the brief and is the client like? And if they don't, then go back to step number one again. So it's just that this cycle of these three relatively simple steps that sometimes take forever <laughs> to, to go through and to implement and all the internal struggles that are so, and external struggles that are yeah. associated with them are, it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Right here, there. Uh, what's been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen, something you've designed yourself, uh, or something that's always amazed you. Um, <laughs> This is, it's really funny. I don't think this, this, this design, it actually isn't in my portfolio. It, it's, it's truth be told, a, a, a bad design that I created. Is it the Rocky but, Mountain Bike Club? <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> I got to find that logo. Um, no, it's um, when, when I was just starting university, first year, my parents and a friend of ours, they started, uh, well, they actually purchased a bakery uh, together to run just sort of like a side business. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason why this is probably the most uh, – sorry, what was the word that you used in the question? Uh, it was influential, the most influential the most, design. Yeah, the, most, the, re the reason why this was one of the most influential designs for um, just my morale and the way that I interacted and, and, and the confidence that I gained from interacting with the world is because this was the first time two things happened. First, this was the first time where – I had an idea in terms of a marketing strategy and I talked to my parents and I'm like, listen, we're going to need to do a rebrand and here's how it's going to roll out. And we're going to need to do these banners and we're going to do these, these coupons and we need to update the site. And I basically, you know, you're typical, like again, first year designer, right? I just, I have this little template and I'm like, fill that a template in. But what happened was after that implementation and after, you know, we, we, they, they were working hard on the, on the production side and I can't take all the credit myself, but they were working hard on the business side. I was working hard on the marketing and visual and, and, uh, marketing side, branding side and all that. They actually posted like the first year they made, I can't remember the, the amount, but they made a certain amount of money. But in the second year, they doubled their profits. And to me, that was like the very first time where it became very, very real that, even though 
you don't really, I didn't really know everything mm -hmm. because I had the foundations that were so slowly starting to build up. Cause by then I was in second year and I had a little bit more knowledge. Yep. Um, the fruits of those labors were showing and you could start to see the improvement. And I, and I, and you had the raw numbers, you know, sometimes when you're working for clients, they'll tell you things, but you don't know for sure if they're just sort of, you know, saying that they've done better that year or whatever. But I saw the numbers. I was in there and I saw the impact. So that for me, that was the first thing that I was like, man, I can't believe that when you actually put some thought into this thing and you actually hustle and try to do something, this actually happens. And the th second thing, and this is extremely important to me and, and, and it was and still is, is um, I because my whole life I was a design, I was a, a, supposed to be a mechanical engineer. My whole life was geared towards that literally until I was 19. Like I went to a semester of engineering school at SFU and I'm like, I hate it. I got to find, I got to, I got to get into design. Like, I don't want to do this. I actually have mm. a, a story about that. Uh, I can share a little bit later. And, um, so, so I, I had this pack, this track, and now I was literally going in a completely different direction but because of this success of, of just this work that we put in and stuff like that, I was actually able to sort of prove to myself, but then also my family, my parents who have always been extremely supportive of me, no matter what kind of BS I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Say like this, this thing actually has a future. It's not engineering. It's not something cushy. You can get into like a union job and you can basically coast for the rest of your life. It's something more aggressive. You have to work your butt off. You have to be constantly on point. Otherwise, technology will pass you and, and your people, younger people are constantly mm -hmm. against you and beating you. But this is something that I can do. And, and since then, again, even though the design wasn't crazy, like I probably not a lot of people are even going to see that design ever. Um, it gave me the confidence to go and to give – and to, to really, when I say things and when I do research, you know, when I do brand and, and, and do my work, I do it with a confidence in knowing that um, it is worth it and it is something that um, I have a track record to be successful with. That's a cool story, man. Yeah. Um, has social media changed graphic design or the process of design and do you feel that it's beneficial or harmful? I think it's beneficial. Um the thing about social media in general, and 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 you can kind of see this even in the music industry, and I'm not going to go on that tangent uh, a lot, but when you open up the possibility for even a punk like me, like when I started Photoshopping, like I, I basically stopped playing video games when I was in, uh, I think, middle school. I stopped playing video games. I pirated <laughs> the uh, Photoshop like six or seven, I think it was. It was just whatever. And... That's what got me into this. I basically, I had access to that content. You get into um, social media and you have all this amazing opportunity to, one, be inspired by people who are better than you. That's, and, and not just better than you in your town or your local GDC chapter or whatever, right? Like globally. And on top of that, you have the platform that if you have the drive and if you have the skill and if you put those two together, you have the opportunity to be seen by them. Uh -huh. And yeah, so for cool. me, social media, and, and, and the thing is too, in, as designers, there's always a very friendly competition. I was talking to a photographer. Um, actually, no, this was actually a Facebook post that she had, she had posted before our conversation. And she said something like she had been a photographer, like a professional photographer for five years. 
and every single time she got into these meet and greets with other photographers, there was always this level of, of, of competitiveness that created a really cold barrier between people. Mm. And her first inch, uh, her first foray, she's been, she's trying to shift into a little bit more design. She's been really interested in like social media and stuff like that. So her first interaction with, uh, I think she went into like a creative mornings, uh, uh, so, uh, something or other in Vancouver. Everybody was super friendly. Everybody was welcoming. Everybody was giving you tips. These are your direct competitors. When you shake someone's hand that's a designer, like and especially in the same town, like you're competing against each other a lot of the times. But there's so much love there because everybody understands that when you work hard, that's when this thing starts paying off. Just being there isn't good enough. So what social media does is it continues that level of competition to where if you really want to make it, if you really want to leave an impact, you have to constantly be on your A game. You can't um, sort of mellow out and get lazy and just sort of kind of go with the flow. You have to constantly be on your game. So I think it's excellent. I, I, I love social media and, and what it's done for the industry um, just overall. And again, it's not just design. It's everything mm-hmm. uh, the, that you can get. Uh, you, can, uh, you can get inspired and inspire others um, through this platform is, uh, is I think probably one of the, one of the better things that have, that has happened to our industry uh, in the recent years, for sure. Hmm. So who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow and what is it about them that you like? It would have to be obey shepherd fairy. Um, I, again, just the way that I sort of got into it, um, the this this it just sort of hit me like a brick i was you know 16 and you see a, a, a massive you know i think the first obey thing that i saw was that it was a it was a big poster that was like 20 feet by 30 feet and not even a real not even in person i just saw a photo of it on a massive building somewhere and i'm like this guy this is the craziest thing i've ever seen and um i actually really like um obeys uh, for those of you not familiar uh, they have this thing where i think shepherd calls it um organized descent there's a paradox in the brand in the sense that it tells you to obey and to to succumb to this structure that you build but then it builds you the structure to succumb to so there's like this constant clashing of ideas that's why organized descent for me is such an ironic statement (laughs) um so he's basically saying don't listen to the norm don't don't follow the trends don't fit in the box oh by the way check out how you can not fit in the box by fitting in this box which is the 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 brand right so uh that that to me like the irony and then the way that it sort of loops um is is probably the most impactful thing and and i still look for it and it's you know he has a very interesting uh shipper fairy that is he has a very interesting view on the way that he creates his art and his design um, and his ability to like mix mediums and his ability to create, uh, you know, patterns and, and um, stencils and that sort of stuff has always fascinated me. Uh, so, yeah, definitely the repetition and then the colors. I, you know, I grew up as a Coca-Cola kid and uh, these are just by personal biases of mine. But you have bright red, bright white, you know, dark black. Like that to me is just like, oh, those are the most amazing colors, right? Like, you know. <laughs> For so, sure. Yeah. That's good. I love that answer. Um, How do you gauge if your designs are resonating with their intended audience? I, oh man, I love when I get, I, I honestly, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no freaking idea 
when something works and what something doesn't, I've thought about this before. Like if there's a way, listen, like what the way that I work is I don't, I don't work for these massive, massive companies like Coke or Apple, or whatever, who have like, um, you know, people and teams of lawyers and researchers dedicated to understanding the impact that their marketing or products and stuff have on their, um, on people. Right. Mm-hmm. I work for the mom and pop shop and there's one thing I know consistently across the board. When somebody comes to me, either as a freelancer or even in-house designer or someone, when somebody actually wants to improve a product, and as a designer, I put in the work necessary to improve that product, the, the, the quality is always going to go up. Mm-hmm. It's, there's never been a situation, and I don't think it's even possible, if you do a good job, unless you, you create some like sort of viral hate towards a specific marketing campaign and stuff, that's different. But if you were to create something good, you're always going to elevate that brand a little bit or that product a little bit more. So I don't know if it's because design is good. I don't know if it's because by having a conversation with a creator of a product, you're helping them hone in and focus on the, the real ethos of what that product is. I don't know if um, it's the fact that by having those conversations, you're actually um, motivating the client to, to put, push harder. You're motivating sales teams to do better. Like, I don't know what, there's so many moving parts that it's hard to sort of pinpoint, especially at the level that I work at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all I know is if you put in the work, you get it back. You get that response and it's always positive. Very so, good. Yeah. So take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. And what was that like? Man, it it sucks to mess up. <laughs> it, it really sucks to make mistakes. Um, I I would say that in terms of my career and the things that I've done in the past five or six years, um, most of my really bad mistakes have always been more on the communications and management sort of side, mm-hmm. where where you have a client and you just. You, 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 they have an expectation that they're going to get something delivered and then you don't deliver what they expect. And that, that hurts. And I've been extremely blessed that even though I've done that a couple of times, <laughs> um, one, I've always learned from them. I, I, I have a, I take pride in the fact that I don't really make the same mistakes twice. If I, if I screw something up, I want to make sure that that doesn't happen ever again. And I will put things in my, in my process and in my, in the systems that I do to, to, to kind of navigate these things. Uh, to not do it again. Um, and there, there is always, thankfully, they were always willing to work with me to repair it. Mm-hmm. So I think as designers and as, as pretty much anybody that deals with other people, especially when it comes to uh, communication or marketing, because it's so intangible, it's so hard to, to really kind of hold you know like if you're if you're if you're a carpenter and they're like hey i want you to put that wall and i need it to be the spec you know exactly what to do when you do it if you don't do it then you're you're shitty at your job if you do it then you're good at your job but in design it's not that simple it's not that straightforward sometimes you can be good at your job and still screw up really badly mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it is to just take it on the chin and be humble and then do your freaking i don't care if it takes you like five times the hours that you've actually built Put every single ounce of energy that you have to fix that problem. Yes. And don't leave that customer or client or boss or whoever you're working with, don't leave them with that sour taste of, man, this is definitely not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's solid. Uh, what's next in graphic design? Do you see any new emerging trends? This is sort of like 
I don't, I don't honestly really pay attention to those yeah. in terms of like the more global scale. Um, I have, I have noticed actually an increased um, people increasingly doing a lot of work in 3D. For example, uh, mm-hmm. you, you would have like a, a 2D a medium, but then you'd have 3D work. A lot of rendering now that uh, the 3D design uh, computers are becoming increasingly more powerful to be able to render these incredibly vast and complex shapes and sizes and all this sort of stuff. These uh, really cool designs are sort of coming out and they seem to be more and more prevalent. Um, I, I, the way that I sort of try to approach design and the way that I sort of try to approach the way that I do my work is always specific to who I'm catering to and what my client actually needs for their target audience. Right, point. Uh, and my, my personal philosophy is always, listen, you have to be relevant in terms of accessibility. So if someone can't go on your website, uh, because you can only, you know, you don't have a responsive website and you can't open it on your phone, you're failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody, um, you know, all, all those sorts of things where if you're not up to snuff in terms of just the generic requirements to, to be a product or a service in the modern world, then you're failing. When it comes to aesthetics, when it comes to things that are visual, what is, what mostly ties you Sorry, what, what visual medium and what visual textures and, and colors and stuff that ties your product uh, to, sorry, ties to your product, hmm. right? And for me, it's always just that authenticity. So if you're, if you're a contractor and it doesn't contracting work uh, in terms of uh, branding, uh, then, then use the techniques and that sort of stuff that, that properly reflect that kind of work. If you're designing for an interior designer or a fashion house or, you know, even a website like a, like a you know, a more robust accounting firm, whatever it is, design to that. But in terms of just overall like artistic trends, I definitely think, um, yeah, 3D is probably super, uh, is going to come back pretty uh, significantly. Pretty much anything that's handmade. We, we've done so much digital work over the past few years just as again computers have become more and more accessible and easier to work with and stuff you start to see things like these beautiful pieces of calligraphy um uh, i have a buddy actually in in london who still does hand lettering on a lot of old buildings so these kinds of things are sort of coming back in the sense that i mean they're they're never they never really went out but the spotlight was shifted away from them because of these these exciting new technologies that we're working with but i feel like it's going to come back around that's awesome yeah. Um, what piece of advice would you offer to a new design grad looking to make their mark uh, in the industry? Oh, sick. Oh, this is this is solicited advice. I don't know, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can I do don't this. Know if I have any one of those? That's good. Um, honestly, and I'm going to be. Uh, 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 this is. I say this kind of rough, but it's really in a positive sense. When I left university, I had this like amazing sense of empowerment that I can literally tackle and do everything. And then I started picking clients that I liked and worked and all that sort of stuff. But even the clients that I liked, you have to fight tooth and nail for their respect. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're going to beat you up. Like they're going to be there. You're going to be put and and I've had to sort of counsel even some of the junior designers when I was in house, um, there are going to be situations where you're going to be trying to convince somebody that a design is good for the, 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 for the company or for the product or for whatever, and they're just simply not going to agree with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not because they have more experience in, in the field. Maybe they're a completely unrelated field. They have more authority 
and they can decide how that path is going to go. So the advice that I would give to anyone just starting out is realize that the beauty of school is you can literally do whatever the heck you want and be okay with it. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you get into the actual real world working nine to five grind, um, you're going to get a lot of pushback and you're going to get a lot of people that don't think that your idea necessarily lines up to the product. And your job is going to have to fight tooth and nail to convince them that it does. And if it doesn't, you're going to have to learn to not take it so personally, mm-hmm. right? Like design has to serve a purpose. And a lot of the times when we design as designers, unless you're extremely blessed or a super hustler, is you're not always going to work on the stuff that you want to work on or the stuff for yourself. You're going to work on something else. Yeah. And something else is going to have different expectations. Someone's going to want to do different things. They're going to disagree with you on, again, not because they have knowledge, not because they have any formal training, just because they don't agree. Like, I like green more than I like red, so you have to make it green. And then you have to, as a designer, say, okay, how re- how important is it really that it's red or green? And if it's not, you have to make the decision, okay, personally, I love the red, but it's not my work. You know, I sorry, it's my work, but it's not for me. The client wants it like this. It doesn't give, you know, it doesn't ruin the product. It doesn't uh, cause us any problems in the marketing elements and stuff like that. It's a non-issue. Let's move on and try to tackle the next thing. So just be aware of that. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it is sunshine and rainbows. It really is, and it's so much fun. But like with anything, sometimes it's not. So you just got to push through it. Don't get discouraged, and you'll be fine. For sure. So what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just cannot live without? Um, Illustrator. Yeah. That's the program. It's funny because, again, I came from from Photoshop. I probably had like five or six years of experience in Photoshop before I even thought about being a designer. Mm-hmm. So when Illustrator came up, and the teacher was like, yeah, you're going to have to do logos in Illustrator. I was like, but I don't know how to use Illustrator. <laughs> you know, like I'm so good at Photoshop. I can like, you know, make things look weird and cool and all this stuff. And so especially in my line of work and the way that I do, because I specialize more on the branding side and a lot more on the digital media side, Illustrator is just one of those things where I basically had to teach myself and there's still situations where I'll have to, you know, I'll want to figure something out and, and I'll have to go Google it, you know, and, and it, 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 there's no shame in that. Like you, you're constantly trying to learn and there's so many new things that, uh, that are happening that uh, you just have to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. But definitely Illustrator for a tool and for a um, website actually, and I've been following these guys for years and years and years is Abduzito. Oh, okay. Zito blog. Uh, it's just something that I just randomly happened upon one time and I just keep, they have like cool little things where it's, it's just basically like a, like a, I mean, as with a lot of design blogs, just a virtual dump of, of all sorts of cool, um, design elements. But sometimes we need that inspiration. Sometimes we need to just sort of sit in front of a computer for 20 minutes and just look at cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then again, back to my process is I just, when, when it comes to a project, I try to regurgitate it. And if it's in my head, maybe I can make something happen on paper. So that's awesome. Raz, this has just been terrific. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you very much. And I'm going to let you hang there. Sweet. Thanks so much, Dave. Have a good one. You too. Hey, this is Dave back again. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to episode two of the quickie podcast. Like I said, I really enjoyed chatting with Raz. Uh, He's a great guy, really interesting story, great perspectives. And like you said, 
unsolicited advice giver. Thanks again.